Alright, see how this goes. I'm gonna try to start doing video podcasts more regularly because I got finally I got a, a an, an an SD card for my phone that will allow me to actually take enough video to do this. I got like a 400 gigabyte SD card, micro SD card for my phone, um, and hopefully that will allow me to uh, to do this. <laughs> to actually start making video podcasts a little more regularly. I don't think I'll be able to do them three times a week, as many times as I do the, the episodes, but maybe once a week I'll be able to do, uh, do a video. So like every third, third podcast or something. And the main reason for that is because I, I honestly, I just, I don't have the time <laughs> or the talent yet to edit videos in particular. Um, I haven't been able to find a video editing software that uh, will allow me to remove a lot of the background noise and to clip out silence kind of like automatically. Uh, I haven't found something that will do that that is free. Um, all that I've found is a, a, a software called WiseCut that uh, it's like an online software and I have the free version of it and it's pretty expensive. They only have really one tier and I think it was something like 40 bucks a month, um, which, which I, I can't justify paying for at this point. You know, I, I don't make any money off this podcast. It's pretty much just, you know, if, if people want to donate to me, they can, I have things set up to where they can, but, um, you know, it's a pretty small podcast. Uh, I don't, I don't expect people to donate. I, I do this a lot for fun. Um, and because I love the topics, I'm not, I'm not doing this for, for money or any sort of compensation. But if you do feel like you would like to contribute, um, I have a Patreon account, which you can look up pretty easily on the website, www.catholicisminthecar.com. And I also have a, a number of other support uh, ways that you can support me, which you can find on the website. Okay, so today I want to talk about uh, just some stuff that I've been reading, um, pretty important important stuff uh, as regards Catholicism, and that would be as many of the official documents of the Church that I can uh, that I can get my hands on. So particularly, I, I'm I'm reading magisterial documents, so Church councils, um, and then papal writings, so writings of the Pope. Um, whether those be um, encyclicals, which, which encyclicals, like as such, have only really been around for the last 300 or so years. Um, they didn't really become a popular form of papal writing until, I want to say, the late 1600s and into the 1700s. Before that, it was mostly uh, papal bulls, which I've been able to get a lot uh, to uh, get access to a lot of those. Um, I, I've done it basically through a number of different sources, um, but the primary one is uh, the website Papal Encyclical. I think it's .com or maybe it's .net. Papal Encyclicals Online .net, I think is what it is. And on there, they have, it's not just Papal Encyclicals, but it's all of the church councils, all 21 ecumenical councils that the uh, Catholic Church uh, recognized. And then also a very large amount of papal writing from as early as the 1200s um, and then 
until the present day. So, and those of you who may not know, the Vatican's website itself, vatican.va, really only has documents going back to the 1860s thereabout, um, really to the, to, the, uh, to the reign of Pope Pius uh, IX, who was, I think in most people's estimation, like the first quote-unquote modern pope, uh, you could say, um, kind of ushering the church into modern times, you could say, contemporary times. And I think that was a, a big catalyst for that sort of ushering in was the fact that uh, Pope Pius the IX was the pope uh, reigning when in 1817 the Piedmont government uh, in the Italian peninsula kind of fully took the, the pope's territory. So before 1870, for, for basically a thousand years, since the, since the reign of Charlemagne, um, possibly before, I can't quite remember, but uh, since the reign of Charlemagne in the 800s uh, AD, until 1817, uh, or, or, sorry, 1870, the Pope was not just a spiritual ruler over the entire uh, Western Church um, and many of the, the Eastern churches uh, that have uh, that have been along with her throughout throughout the the many years. He's not only been a spiritual leader, but he has also been. And, and it's ebbed and flowed with time, the amount of territory that he's had, but he's also been a temporal leader in the sense that he um, was the king of what were known as the Papal States. And uh, so between 1870 until I want to say the 1930s, I, I can't remember exactly when the Pope was given the plot of land that he now, you know, technically governs, uh, known as Vatican City. I think it was in the 1930s. Uh, I believe it was. Uh, oh goodness, I'm blanking on the dude's name. Gosh, one second here. Oh, anyway, for some reason I'm having a a big brain burst, and I can't remember the leader of Italy at that time. I keep wanting to say Machiavelli, and that is clearly not correct. That's not correct for the time period, nor was he a leader of Italy. Uh, oh my goodness, Mussolini. There we go. Jeez, Mussolini. I'm pretty sure Mussolini was the one who finally gave. The Pope some some land back, which is still he still uh, has, which would be the about I believe it's like forty acres or so, what we now call uh, Vatican City. So quite a small plot of land. It's completely surrounded by the city of Rome and thus the country of Italy. Uh, and that's pretty much what's left um, of the Papal States. Although you know technically it's not really even left of the Papal States because between the years eighteen seventy and I want to say it was in the 1930s, the Pope did not have any land, uh, any temporal rule whatsoever. So anyway, where I was getting with that is on the Vatican's website, they really only have documents back into the 1860s with uh, the beginning of Acta Sancta Sedis, which was a magazine that uh, was started by uh, Pope Pius IX. It was kind of a, a gazette or a, a magazine, a newspaper that was put out um, to kind of give all the official acts of the Holy See. And then in, I believe it was 1907, Pope Pius X changed the name and also slightly changed the purpose of that, that gazette, that newspaper. So it's now called uh, Acta Apostolica Sedis, instead of the Acta, Acta Apostolica Sedis, uh, meaning the Acts of the Apostolic See in Latin. 
since 1907 that has been actually, to my knowledge, it, it has some sort of magisterial weight, uh, the documents that are published within that gazette, that, that newspaper, whatever you want to call it, journal. So there are documents on the Vatican's website from as early as I believe it was 1963 is when uh, the Acta uh, Sancte Sedis was begun by Pope Pius the, the, the Ninth. And that's, as far as I can tell, those are the, the earliest documents that the Vatican has that are, that are on their website, that are online. Um, now, EWTN.com has a lot of, uh, quite, quite a lot of, of information. I haven't scoured their site as much because a lot of it is duplicated uh, from what is on the uh, papal, papal encyclicals.net. That, that's what the website is, papalencyclicals.net. So I want to sh- uh, throw a shout out to papalencyclicals.net uh, for being such a great resource uh, for Catholics in uh, getting access to the translated uh, magisterial documents of the Catholic Church, um, at least as far back as the 1200s. And I believe that the, early, uh, the earliest document that they have on there was the bull approving the rule of St. Saint, of Saint Francis in the 1220s, which I believe was Honorius III, um, Pope Honorius III. Uh, so that's the earliest one that they have on there. And they have, they have a few sprinkled through the 1200s and then the 1300s, and then they start to pick up. There's more and more documents in the 1400s. And then it just kind of starts to snowball. 1500s, 1600s. Although the 1600s, actually, they didn't have a ton of documents on there that were translated into English. They did have some that were still in Latin um, and some that were in Italian, which my Latin and Italian are not good enough for me to just dive in and read something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm working on my Latin. Uh, my Italian is pretty basic, uh, but I'm working on my Latin and I'm just not there yet <laughs> to be able to read stuff like papal encyclicals and official church documents and be able to, to, to translate them uh, properly for myself to, to understand exactly what's being said. So I, I didn't really deal with those documents, the, the ones that weren't translated into English as of yet. So far, I have gotten through 364, I think, 364 different documents um, and those are just the papal encyclicals. That doesn't count. Uh, that doesn't count all 21 ecumenical councils, which some of some of which are quite lengthy. And what I have done with all of these is I have turned them into audio files. I have gotten the text files, um, and then I use various various online converters to convert those text files into MP3 files. Um, now, you know, of course, the recordings are not perfect. There's a lot of times where the, the machine will mispronounce things. Uh, it's especially funny when they try to pronounce Latin. They actually do a decent job. I was actually kind of surprised, but it, it is nowhere near what Latin should sound like if you have a robot doing it. But it, it, turning these things into audio formats, basically audiobooks, has really been how I've been able to get through a lot of it. And I've kind of been taking notes the whole way, um, like... If I'm at work and I'm doing something kind of mindless, uh, a lot of times, like I'm outside, I'm I'm a lancer bear. So at work, I'm outside, and I'm like right now we've been on the side of a highway, doing a uh, topographical survey. Which those of you who know what that is, uh, that'll make more sense. But I'm not going to go into explaining it. 
So it's a, it's a lot of kind of mindless work, um, and I'm able to listen to things while I go, which is really, really nice. Um, and I'm even able, with the, with the awesomeness of modern-day technology, contemporary technology, um, I'm even able to take audio notes as I go along, and, it, and it'll transcribe those notes into text for me. Uh, my phone will, so that, you know, I, I, I can keep working, I can still be completely productive, but I can be productive in two different ways. And that has been really just amazing for me, <laughs> not to go insane, to, to kind of, when I'm doing mindless work like that, it allows me to keep my brain moving, and it allows me to do something um, not just uh, secularly productive, uh, but also intellectually productive, um, and hopefully productive for the church in so far as my ministry does that. <laughs> Please pray for me. So, uh, just throwing that out there, that'd be great. It has been a really wonderful thing to be able to make my way through a lot of these documents. Um, and and I've, I've made it all the way from, you know, that all through the ecumenical councils, all 21 ecumenical councils, um, and then also through all of the papal documents that I have been able to get my grubby little hands on. I've made it through all of them up to Pius XII, so who was Pope uh, from the uh, mid-1930s, or maybe early 1930s, uh, through the Second World War, um, and I think he was Pope until 1952 or so, when he was succeeded by John XXIII, who called for the Second Vatican Council. Okay, so I basically made it up to that point, and I kind of want to give this episode as like my initial thoughts on going through all of this. Now, as I said before, I've, I've listened to 360-something works, um, and those are just the encyclicals, plus the 21 ecumenical councils, which all in all, you know, that's probably, the ecumenical councils alone are probably like 30 hours of, of audio, and the, uh, the papal encyclicals up to this point, you know, Many of them are like less than five minutes, um, but then there are some that are like 20 minutes long, um, even more, you know, the, the, a very small amount of them are longer than 20 minutes to listen to, but, you know, that's probably another, gosh, over 30 hours, I would imagine. So, and, and, and it has just been very enlightening for me to dive into these primary sources of the churches of the church's magisterium, namely the ecumenical councils and the uh, official documents of the Pope. Now, to be clear, uh, not all documents of, uh, not all of these documents are on the same level, right? And you might even have two, do two documents that are the same type of document, quote-unquote, uh, but they are, one may have something of, of greater magisterial weight than another. Let's see, for example, Second uh, Ecumenical Council, the, which would be the Council of Constantinople, defined uh, many uh, parts of Christology against uh, Arianism, um, and I believe they also, I can't remember if, if they got into Nestorianism at that point or not. I don't think that they, that they did. I think that wasn't until Ephesus, and then especially at Chalcedon, that they got into Nestorianism. But uh, they do in that council clearly define uh, some very important elements of Christology. Whereas the first council of Lyon, so, okay, give you more context here. The council of Constantinople was in the, th oh geez, I want to say the th 
late 300s. Gosh, you're testing my knowledge here. Remember, I record these podcasts off the cuff. I don't have notes. So um, I want to say it was the late 300s. Um, and then the first Council of Lyon was in the 12, uh, 1240s or 50s, I want to say. So they're, they're almost a thousand years apart. And the Council of Constance does have doctrinal definitions in it uh, regarding Christology. Whereas the First Council of Lyon, pretty much all that it does is talk about the, the errors of Emperor, Emperor Frederick, I think is, is who it was. Uh, and they basically depose him and they excommunicate him. Uh, he was one of the Holy Roman Emperors. And he was causing a lot of problems for the church. And from what I could gather, there really were no doctrinal definitions in the First Council of Lyon, as far as I could tell. I mean, maybe maybe somebody who's a little more versed in it will correct me on that, but um, the First Council of Lyon, I didn't see anything of uh, faith and morals in that council, and also I didn't see anything that was like an actual definition of a, of a doctrine of any sort. Uh, really, all that they did was basically say, hey, Frederick, you're a bad dude, and we don't like you and we're excommunicating you. And, you know, it's a lot more complicated than that, but um, and it goes through a number of other things, but none of them, to my recollection, were uh, doctrinal doctrinal in any way. Um, and, and I think that really brings up an interesting point, because uh, as many of you may know, today there are a number of Catholics who will say that the Second Vatican Council, our most recent ecumenical council, is not valid, or, or they might say it's not authoritative, because it did not come out with any doctrinal definition. Now, in my understanding, that would also mean that the First Council of Lyon was not valid, or, or maybe you could say authoritative, because it did not come out with any doctrinal definitions. Um, and therefore, maybe it shouldn't be recognized as a as a uh, an ecumenical council. So, you know, by that line of logic, to me, it would seem that we would only have uh, 19 ecumenical councils instead of 21. Because supposedly Vatican II doesn't have any doctrinal definitions in it, I would, uh, I would very much dispute that. <laughs> I think Vatican II in Lumen Gentium, gosh, I want to say Lumen Gentium 24, paragraph 24, makes some very clear definitions. I would say on function of the magisterium, and particularly uh, the function of when the Pope is speaking ex cathedra, when the Pope is speaking infallibly. And then I'd also, uh, from what I remember, it distinguishes also uh, some, other, some other functions of the magisterium that were not very clear before, beforehand, before the Second Vatican Council. Now that's only one example. Um, I think there were also probably a number of other uh, definitions, but I think that one is, is the most clear, uh, that, it, that it did... Uh, in Lumen Gentium, define uh, further the function of the magisterium itself. And I think that that cannot be overlooked. So, you know, to the person saying that Vatican II is not a, is not a true ecumenical council, I would say poppycosh <laughs> uh, to that uh, for two reasons. One, because then you would have to count the First Council of Lyon as non-ecumenical, and you would also have to count, or, or and I would also say that uh, you know, just right off the bat, Vatican II did have doctrinal definition, namely that, that one example, at least, at least, of Lumen Gentium 24, I believe. So, and, and I'm 
I'm pretty sure there were other doctrinal definitions in there as well. I'm not, I don't view myself as qualified to say what was a doctrinal definition and what wasn't at this point. So I'm not going to try to go much further than that, but uh oh, somebody's car alarm's going off. Okay. So really this video might be kind of boring <laughs> for some of you. It's really chronicling the research I've been doing, the reading I've been doing over the last uh, number of months. Uh, I believe it's taken me about two months just to get this far uh, in looking at these uh, first primary primary sources of the magisterium, these, these ecumenical councils, and then all the papal documents that I've looked through so far. It's taken me about two months. Um, and again, I, I'm, I'm mainly just uh, looking at the audio files. I'm, I'm listening to the audio files of them that I've created. So that's really what I'm trying to kind of give to you here is that's kind of where I'm at. And, and I, I think there have been, there has been a lot of benefits to me personally from doing this. So I would, I would encourage everyone um, to do something similar. If you want to contact me uh, privately, you can contact me um, at the, the, the Gmail account that I have associated with this podcast, uh, parkerzerbalcatechesis at gmail.com. Um, you can find it on the website and many other places. You can contact me for some of those audio files. Um, I can share them with you privately. I don't think at this point I can share them publicly because of copyright laws, mainly because, you know, many translators put lots of work into translating a lot of these documents and it, it wouldn't be fair. And it probably also wouldn't be lawful for me to share um, those publicly in audio form. So, or if you don't want to contact me about it, I think you can pretty easily find the resources to make your own audio files of these documents. So it, it's been really beneficial for me, maybe sharing that idea with you, it might be beneficial for you as well. So yeah, and again, I'm, I'm sorry if this video was uh, lackluster, <laughs> if it was uh, not, not very prim and proper, um, pretty much nothing that I do on this podcast is prim and proper. It's not going to be the absolute best audio. It's not going to be the absolute best video because I'm recording this in my car as I drive during my commute. And, you know, that's kind of what it is. So if you guys want to help support me in any way, uh, I might be able to get some better equipment, things like that. Um, but in no way am, am I obliging people to do that, um, nor am I, I begging either. Um, I'm perfectly fine doing what I'm doing right now. Um, and I'm not trying again, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm not trying to make any money off of this. I'm doing this for the love of the church. Um, and, and honestly for my own selfish love of, of, of this content of, of the things of Christ, um, and the things of, of philosophy, the things of theology, history. And I hope that, you know, maybe I offer a unique perspective on these things. So without further ado, um, I think my next episode, I may um, continue on this same topic, but I also may not. We shall see. We shall see. Yeah. So thank you all so much for your support. It's been amazing thus far. Uh, we're, we're a small group. Uh, I have a small group of listeners, but I hope that what I can offer you is, is beneficial and meaningful. So God bless. Thanks.